You're listening to In the Studio with Michael Card. This session is made possible by our friends with the Christian Standard Bible. Learn about this new translation and the many ways you can enjoy the CSB. Explore online when you visit csbible.com. Thanks for clicking on that play button. This is In the Studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepard. Michael's standing by at his home near Nashville, Tennessee, near Franklin, Tennessee. Actually, you're outside of Franklin. I don't know where you are, Michael. Right. Well, sometimes I'm not so sure where I am. Uh, (laughs) You've moved to the country again. I live in Fernvale, Tennessee, which is not really a town. It's just an area. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this conversation we're going to have today. A couple of good friends rejoin us. Dr. George Guthrie will be with us today. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to talking to him about his uh, day-by-day Bible. He is uh, hes one of those rare biblical scholars who also has a pastor's heart. He's just a wonderful, mm-hmm. wonderful brother. Yep. And then Ayando Kamalo will be back with us again. Yeah. We love this young man from Zimbabwe who has written a children's book. We'll get to that later in the program today. And also later, you'll answer some listener questions. Speaking of listeners, uh, they really enjoyed that LP edition of your CD work that we we did, you know, the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad they liked it. It was just kind of like a little concert. It was a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, we we had quite a few comments. Susan said, this is a very special episode with the scripture, the background, the songs. Very much reminds me of Michael's latest book, The Nazarene, which we're enjoying tremendously. Hope there will be a few more episodes like this in the future. Well, guess what, Susan? Joe Carlson has already got his little mind wrapped around some ideas of uh, <laughs> more music like that. <laughs> so, Michael, we just put our, ourselves in his capable hands, right? Yeah, and Su- Susan is actually a really good friend of mine. So that that was kind of a that was kind of a almost a plant. So thanks, Susan. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was sincere though. And yes. here's another one. This person left a review on Apple Podcasts, which is a great thing to do. Very helpful to us when you do that. Uh, this person says, thank you for encouraging us. As others have said, God uses you to help us read scripture outside the old tattered box of religious thought. Wow. Again, thank you for using music parables to invite us to draw closer to the lover of our soul. Well, I think that person may be a writer. Tattered, tattered box of religious so. thought. That sounds like someone who is a, who is a good writer. <laughs> well, I guess it takes one to know one, doesn't it? <laughs> As we said, we're going to have those guests join us here in a few moments, beginning with George Guthrie, but we're going to hear some of your music on the program today as well. And this is a great uh, uplifting song to start out with, uh, a studio performance of Michael Card, Chorus of Faith. Sing it with your life, sing with your heart, make melody with the words of your mind that you listen tell it to others hear the chorus of faith live the chorus of faith the first note of the song split the darkness and was sung by the planets and stars And their light spoke hallelujah And the words of the chorus Were sung by angels before us Now come join in the 
came to be for us And His coming made our life a song And His word is the chorus Is the light that is burning Is the truth beyond learning Is the reason we sing Sing it with your life Sing with your heart Make melody with the words of your mouth A mind that you listen Tell it to others Hear the chorus of faith Live the chorus of It's an appropriate song to lead us into a conversation about the book of Philippians and the day-by-day chronological Bible. Michael, do you remember years ago, George Guthrie joining us and talking about this project, which we thought sounded like such a great idea, and here we are. Yeah. Yeah, he was working on it, and there are, there are other chronological uh, programs to read through Scripture, but this is this is a really, really different, of course, because George did it. I think it's the best one. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, but uh, and and the the truth is, it is the best one. I've actually had two or three of these Bibles, and I've given them away. I just gave one away to my brother-in-law, who called me back yesterday and told him told me how much he enjoyed it, and and Good. it's drawing him into Scripture. Good. Which I guess, George, that's your whole uh, that's your purpose, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, we want people to settle into a long life of reading the Bible. So. Um, mm. This is meant to give them a, an approach where they can find a rhythm of interfacing with God's Word in a really meaningful way. Hmm. Mm. George Guthrie joins us via Zoom from uh, Vancouver, B.C., Regent College, professor of New Testament there. Um, what, is, what, what is unique about this CSB Bible, this day-by-day chronological Bible, George? Yeah, it, it has a lot of uh, features, of course, that are going to be similar to other chronological Bibles, but um, just a few things. We we set it up in a way that it would be organized around three great acts. So it, we kind of set it up with acts and scenes. So the three great acts are God's plan for all people, Genesis 1 through 11, God's covenant people, Uh, Genesis 12 through the rest of the Old Testament, and then God's new covenant people, which is basically the New Testament. And then that's broken down into scenes. So it's uh, meant to help people track with the story of Scripture. And uh, probably the most unique feature of it is each day I actually coach the person uh, with a little paragraph on where we are in the story and how to read this part of the story. Um, so, for instance, when we get to the story of David and Goliath, um, I will remind them of some basic principles of reading the Old Testament stories. And one is that God's always the hero of the story. So, uh, I will kind of coach the person and say, um, so how do you see God as the hero of this story where David defeats Goliath? Because our impulse to read it as kind of a moral story of heroism or something like that, but really God's the main character behind the yeah. story. Hmm. Just one more question, Michael, and then I'll let you uh, ask all the tough questions of George here. But, yeah, right, but, right. Uh, how, does, how does this differ from what, we're all familiar with the, you know, the year plan Bibles, read the Bible through in a year. How does this differ? Yeah, 
this you can uh, read this one through in a year. It's kind of set up to primarily be used that way, but you can also stretch it out if you want to. This this Bible is not dated. So everything is organized according to week one, day one, day two, through six. So, so jump in wherever you want. Uh, yeah, that's right. You can organize it the way that you want. Um, if you stay with it, you're going to go through in a year. It's only six days a week. So you always mm-hmm. have um, a bit of flexibility where if you have a day where, you know, it just doesn't happen, you don't get out of bed or you, <laughs> or whatever, you know, uh, you have a meeting that's really early you can just kind of shift that to uh, to the off day. Um, so that's one thing that is is kind of different uh, about the overview of the plan. It's not dated. And then it it is only six days a week. Yeah. And it's it's this beautiful CSB edition with a great cover, you know, wonderful leather cover. And uh, it really is a beautiful, it, the whole package is just beautifully done. Lifeway was really wanting to get it out there, you know, uh, yeah. so people could use it. Yeah. Well, why don't we take uh, a portion from the day-by-day chronological Bible and talk about it? We've chosen Philippians to talk about, Mike. Does that uh, meet with your approval? A- absolutely. I wish I could refer to, to my uh, day-by-day Bible, but as I said, I keep giving them away, so I haven't got one. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rely on you guys. I'm gonna, CSB will get, see, I get freebies, so I'm, I'll call them and get another freebie here. <laughs> and I promise, George, I won't give that one away. <laughs> Um, yeah, Philippians, I, I actually am finishing a commentary on Philippians right now, doing kind of the final phase of editing on it, and um, really excited about that in the Zondervan exegetical commentary series. But when you get to Philippians, that's a good example. So that's week 50, day two, and you read uh-huh. all of Philippians in that one day. And so I give a little paragraph and talk about the fact that uh Paul had been arrested. I think Paul is in Rome. That's a debated issue among scholars, uh, exactly where Paul's writing from, about 60 AD. So this is going to to fit in a section where you're reading a bit of Acts, you know, in this broader section, and you're uh, kind of learning how Philippians fits in to Paul's own trajectory in his writing of his letters. Uh, The other thing that I do on that day is I give a summary of the main themes uh, in Philippians, and just kind of give an overview and say, now watch for this theme. So the theme of joy or the theme of unity. And uh, the, the churches, they're worried about Paul, right? I mean, are they showing their 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 concern for him? Yeah, they are. Um, the way that letters were kind of organized in that day and time is you had kind of a what we might call a preface or something like that to the letter, kind of the first bit of it, uh, where Paul actually is uh, praying for them um, and kind of greeting them, thanking God for them. So it, that's that's the first 11 verses. And then um, mm-hmm. you move into verses 12 and following, where what he's doing is giving them a report about his own mm. situation. And he says, I know you guys have been anxious about me, but actually God has used my situation in an amazing way so that the gospel has become public knowledge. It's it's kind of in the air out there uh, mm. in kind of the, the, I think it's the political public square. He talks about the praetorium, uh, the praetorian guard is, I think, what he's referring to there. Um, and Mike, I, that, I just found an inscription that actually 
kind of supports that position. I'll tell you about that another time. But oh, I need. That. Oh, you can't do that. You cannot no, do yeah. that. No. Yeah, we got time. <laughs> tell us about it. <laughs> okay. Well, this is kind of cool because one of the big issues in uh, okay, where was Paul when he when he wrote this? Was uh, this little phrase where he says that the gospel has you know is being disseminated, being talked about. Uh, in the whole Praetorian, the whole Praetorian. Mm -hmm. And one of the cases against Rome has been uh, that, well, this phrase really sounds more like he's talking about a building. Uh, and that term mm -hmm. is used of building. So, you know, in, in certain kinds of provinces in the Mediterranean world, uh, that term was very commonly used of kind of a political headquarters. So it's used of when Paul was in Caesarea, uh, he was kind of there in the the area of the Praetorian of Herod's, you know. That's where the Praetor has his office, right? Yeah, that's right. And it could be used of other kind of buildings as well. But anyway, so that's one of the main arguments oh, okay. against Rome is that this doesn't fit a group of people. But uh, I just found recently there there was an inscription from the time of Claudius, late forties A.D., uh, and it's in Latin. But he he uh, talks about those who were. Uh, in Praetorio Mio, which is which is Latin, but it's the exact correspondence to what we have in Philippians one thirteen in Greek. Uh, uh, in the wow. whole in the whole Praetorium, it's it's uh, locative in Greek, it's ablative in Latin, but it's the same thing. It's how you would bring it right over. So you have an expression where he's clearly talk. Claudius is clearly talking about the, his Praetorian guard. And it's the same mm. expression used in Philippians 1.13 in Greek in the corresponding terms in Greek. So that's way too technical for what we're doing here. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, here's the point. The point is that, um, that Paul is celebrating the fact that he's incarcerated because it's done two things. One, it's it's made the gospel really public knowledge. I think those people who are his opponents who are talking about Christ are not preaching and doing evangelism. I think they're talking negatively about Paul and the gospel out there in public. And hmm. uh, and Paul is celebrating. He said, "Well, at least Jesus is being talked about in public." So I think wow. I think that's what's going on. So that's one thing's being accomplished. The other thing is he says the brothers and sisters, I think in Rome. Uh, have been encouraged to speak about God and speak the gospel boldly. Uh, so they, they've been kind of, you know, jazzed about Paul's boldness, I think. And it's given them courage to also kind of step up and talk about Jesus in public. Okay, I've got a question about Yodia and Sentuki. Uh, talk, what's going on with these two these two ladies in the church? Yeah, that brings that brings up another really, I think, kind of the central theme of Philippians in uh, 127 through the end of the chapter there, and really into chapter two, you really have a focus on the issue of unity. Uh, stand together. Mm -hmm. You know, you guys need to hang in there together as people are kind of beginning to oppose you and, and that kind of thing. I think what was happening on the streets of Philippians was as people came to Christ and they were becoming deeply committed to the church, they were withdrawing from kind of the social and political groups in Philippi. Uh, you had hmm. guilds and associations uh, often uh, that were built around pagan worship. And so I think the believers were withdrawing and therefore the leaders 
of the town in Philippi were beginning to see them as factional, as people who were not really, you know, team players in what was going on in the city and that they're starting to have pressure put on them. But, you know, when you have pressure put on you as a group, if you're not careful, you can begin to kind of fragment as a group because of the pressure. So I think that that's part of what mm-hmm. was going on in Philippi. But it seems that Yodi and Syntyche were at the heart of that problem because the great center section of the book is built around this theme of unity and then Paul giving examples of how to be unified through self-sacrifice and giving yourself on, on behalf of others. So he uses the example of Christ. He uses the example of Timothy and Epaphroditus. And then he uses the example of himself in chapter three. And then it all culminates with Paul very directly challenging these two women in a gentle and loving way, but very directly. The Greek text actually says, I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche. So, I mean, he's giving them very Mm -hmm. personal attention, each one of them. And in essence is saying, okay, ladies, time to get it together because your squabble or whatever's going on is hurting the church and hurting the cause of Christ. We don't know what the problem was. I actually, in my uh, in my new commentary, I have a little bit of historical fiction at the beginning of the commentary in which I, I say, this is not what I think happened, but it's an example of what could have happened where they were, they had a breakdown in their relationship over the fact that one of them proposed to the other that the other's child married their child. And because of uh-huh. some, some, you know, reading of the situation, you have a breakdown. So I don't, we have no idea whether that's what happened. Uh-huh. Yeah. But isn't it interesting because it makes it applicable to whatever situation we're in, right? Yeah. To follow the principle without getting bogged down in the details of what was really going on here. Yeah, that's right. And I, I did the little historical fiction more to draw people into what it would have been like to live in yeah. Philippi mm-hmm. at that time and to help people identify with the real life kinds of struggles that, that they were having in the Philippian church. Yeah. Yeah. We find that they're not so removed from us after all. Yeah. And I, I remember Bill Lane used to talk about the fact that Paul doesn't get involved. He doesn't take sides. I like what you said, George. He's just basically saying, ladies, get it together. <laughs> yeah. And he even says to a brother there, he says, help them, you know, help them kind of work uh, this out. I don't see that uh, in the CSB. Ladies, get it together. But uh, that's <laughs> <laughs> that's the Guthrie true translation. Point. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we've got a couple of minutes here before Michael uh, comes back and sings a song for us. But this song is is taken from Philippians. Mike, right? Carmen Christie? Uh, yeah, that's a hymn, hymn to Christ. Yeah, Philippians 2, 6 through 11. So what is it with the inclusion of these hymns in this in this book of the Bible, George? Wow. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we have how many minutes? <laughs> yeah, we've got like 30 seconds. Go. Yeah, there have been, uh, there have been more articles and books written on this passage than any other passage in the New Testament, probably. Really? Is that right? Uh, Yeah, because it's a celebration of Christ, and it's very interesting. Very briefly, I think what's going on here is um, behind this hymn is Isaiah 52, 53, and Isaiah 45. The suffering servant, Uh and then the celebration of every knee bowing to Yahweh in in Isaiah 45. And so that brought okay, together you, in the early church in a in a in a song, and we don't know if Paul crafted this himself or is he, if he's picking it up from others. 
but it's a celebration yeah. of Christ that Paul is using as with Jesus as the prime example of self-sacrifice. Yeah. Well, there's a, I, I can't remember what the source is, but there's this ancient, uh, oh, it's Pliny. Pliny, uh, here's a church singing a hymn to Christ who they revere as God. And some people think he actually heard them singing this song. Mm, could be. Wow. Is wow. that too big? A, is that too big of a stretch, George? Well, the only problem is no evidence. But uh, you know, other than that, it's it's okay. <laughs> well, we have that. You know, we have this thing with well, plenty, but well, we don't have anything that would specifically tie okay. it. But, but you're right. It well, at least would be corresponding to it. Okay, George. I need to. I, I need to introduce you to my to my new method. My new method is okay. You know my you know my academic reason for believing that is I really wanted to be that way. So there are a lot of us scholars who are right with Mike. Yeah. You are a thoroughly modern man, Mike. <laughs> George Guthrie, hey, thank you, brother. Uh, check this out: the CSB Day by Day Chronological Bible. It's really a fun way to re-engage with Scripture again, yeah. George. So and, thanks and you, for all the hard work that you put into this. And you've got a busy day of teaching in front of you, so thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, I love yeah. I love being with you guys. I really appreciate the ministry that you're doing. Lord bless you. Well, let's hear this song from Philippians. Carmen Christie, Michael Card in the studio. Who being in very nature God Did not grasp equality with Him but made himself nothing and took up a servant's nature made in human likeness found in appearance as man he suffered himself was obedient even to death on a cross at Jesus name every knee shall bow in heaven and in all the earth to the Father's glory each tongue cry Jesus is Lord at Jesus name every knee shall bow in heaven and in all the earth to the Father's glory each tongue cry Jesus is Lord Jesus is Lord
So great to hear that song after that conversation with George Guthrie, isn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah, what a what a what a uh, wonderful person to to have access to. I mean, incredible that yeah. we can talk to him up in uh, Canada. And uh, I said this before, but he he's one of those unique scholars that he's a he's a brilliant scholar, but he's got a pastor's heart. Yeah, good way to put it. Speaking yeah. of uh, being accessible, you've not been accessible in concerts because of COVID. Yes. Hopefully, uh, you know, restrictions will be lifted at some point and you'll get back out on the road again, Mike. And hopefully I haven't forgotten how to do this. That's uh, a <laughs> yeah. very real possibility. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have a question from a listener. This comes from Singapore. Mm-hmm. Greetings. I've recently started to follow your podcast series. I've been richly blessed My understanding of the Bible has been strengthened. I've been particularly blessed by your sharings on lament and how it's helped me in these difficult times to wrestle with God and Mm. to exhaust myself to him, not letting Mm. go until he shows up. Very cool. Also, after hearing one of your podcasts on Hesed, I bought the book Inexpressible, and now I've started the journey of knowing God and his love in a deeper manner. Boy, that's that's rich to know someone's doing that and following that closely. Uh, P.S. I noticed there are some Hebrews inscriptions on your guitars. What do they mean? Oh, that's... (laughs) I wonder how he saw that because the it's it's inside the hole of the guitar, so it must have been a uh, an interesting angle. Uh, as, as best as I can remember, um, the, I had those done by uh, my Ely, my my scribe friend in Jerusalem, and it's from Psalm one forty four nine that says something like, "I will I will sing uh, I will sing a new song to you, O Lord." And I, on the ten-string lyre, I will make music to you. That's the phrase. On the ten-string lyre, I will uh-huh. make music to you. I think that's what it says. Uh huh. Yeah. And that's a six or twelve-string guitar. Yeah. No. Well, <laughs> oh, that's mind. you know. Yeah. There, well, there, there's not a uh, there's not a Hebrew word for Martin six-string, as far as I know. So. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, Teresa writes to us. I just wanted to say thank you for your program in the studio yesterday. The beginning when we did the LP, you know, long play version of your songs. Yeah. One of my favorite albums, especially in the wilderness. It means so much to know that the wilderness isn't punishment, but where worship starts. Uh, this past year has had many challenges, but your music has helped me see more of God's presence in the midst of some trips to the wilderness and the reality that he does provide new beginnings out of things that seem like an end. Wow. Thank you for your music and ministry. Isn't it neat to see someone who struggled with it and has kind of come out oh, yeah. the other side and understood? And uh, I'm, I'm thankful that she... She said that better than I've ever said it. That was very articulate. We've come to the halfway point of this session. We're always glad to read your reactions to this program. You can send your comments along with song requests or questions to us when you write to inthestudio at michaelcard.com. Again, inthestudio at michaelcard.com. And could you help get the word out about this program by posting a review? Your opinion is a great way to get the word out about this gathering of like minds by sharing the link for this podcast. These conversations are just a start, and we want to invite you to go deeper. Check out more of Michael's insights through his books, music, and Bible conferences. Explore all that is waiting for you at michaelcard.com. And if you need more details about our guests and resources we've talked about today, you'll find it at michaelcard.com. Coming up, more music and conversation after this message in the studio with Michael Card.
Michael, this month we're featuring the Day-by-Day Chronological Bible. I'm so glad that we get to feature this important Bible edition for my good friend, Dr. George Guthrie. George has been with us many times, and we've appreciated his scholarship and ability to make the Bible understandable. That's why we want to point you to the Day-by-Day Chronological Bible. This study tool combines a daily reading plan with a unique way of tracing the flow of God's action through history. We're always encouraging people to consistently read the Bible, and this resource can be your guide through God's Word this year. Start by visiting csbible.com and search for Day-by-Day Chronological Bible. When you order, receive your 30% discount on the CSB purchase through LifeWay. Type in the studio as one word in the promotion code for your 30% discount with LifeWay. Search for the Day-by-Day Chronological Bible now at csbible.com. Mike, we're going to talk with a children's author in a moment who's a good friend of ours. He's been on the program before. We'll meet Ayanda again in just a moment. But I don't think we've ever talked about the fact that you have a children's book called Close Your Eyes So You Can See, Stories of Children in the Life of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Uh, When was this done? Oh, I can't even tell you. A long, long time ago, Wayne. I had written a couple of lullabies, and um, I don't know if, if the publisher asked me to give it a try. I, don't, I actually don't remember who, whose idea it was. Well, it's a beautiful book. It really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fun to write. It was fun to sort of engage with your imagination, to specifically with the children that Jesus engages with. Yeah. And the albums you've done, like Sleep Sounds of Jesus, I mean, those those are very popular. Yeah. Well, there was an album that went along with uh, Close Your Eyes So You Can See. So there are songs oh, okay. for each one of those, too. Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah. sure it's on your website, michaelcart.com. Yeah. It's well, we're going to hear head. that song. It's, it's not in my head anymore, but it's on the website somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your alternate brain. <laughs> yes. Well, let's hear this song before we talk with Ayanda. Close your eyes. Then let the light 
of your childhood shine and close your eyes so you can see the way he meant this world to be and understand with a childlike heart the place we Beautiful. Thank you, Michael. You know, we've done hundreds of programs like this. One I will always remember is when Ayanda Kamalo came to the studio. We were at Moody Radio in Chicago. Yep. We used their studios. And the two of you sat down mm-hmm. the piano and just, just talked about worship and music. And it was a very special time. I, I still see comments from time to time from listeners who hear that in the archive. Yeah. Well, uh, Ayanda is a brother that you... Um you you tend to link with like that because uh, his he's he's all heart. So uh, it's it's great to have him back. Yep. Originally from Zimbabwe, who is uh, studying and leading worship in churches, Ayanda Kamalo. Welcome back in the studio, Mister Wayne Shepherd and Mister Michael Cart. It's always a privilege. Well, always <laughs> such a formal uh, response there. <laughs> no, that's good. I'll take that. He, he, my name came last though. My name came last. Can we re, can we uh, re-record that? Well, I am older than you, Mike. So. <laughs> See, it's it's always a respect thing. Like generally, it's who's the wisest, um, oh. and I won't go into that right I'll, now. I'll go with that. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> what the, that goes last? You mean that goes last? <laughs> hey, how are you doing, good brother? I, I'm. Um, it's it's been a journey, uh, to be very honest. Um, but the Lord has been faithful. The 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 past. I would say, what, 12, 18 months um, on this journey of faith, in light of everything that's going on going on in the world, um, it's God's just kind of be, brought me back to what is a priority, and that's Him. What's the main focus, mm. you know? Mm. And with, with all the dynamics of COVID, music ministry, things being closed, things being moved, you know, it's been a, I would say, it's been a good Sabbath in one way, Personally, there have been things that I've been had to work through and process with the Lord, but it's been a forced Sabbath in some instances, and it's it's been refreshing. But you've been just as busy as you always are. I mean, how many churches are you currently uh, serving? So right now, it's it's crazy as it is. Four churches. Um, wow. Yeah, it's there is such a. There's such a deep need for people to serve in ministry, and it's weird to say that, but the the the, the thing that pains me is many people stepping away from full time ministry, and it's based on various reasons: hmm. church churches downsizing budget wise, givings because of COVID, and and um, some people just been hurt so badly they just feel a new season away from full time ministry. Is, is mm. where they should be. So, in in my instance, is you know I, I get numerous um, phone calls and emails and texts saying, "Hey, can you help us out as we we're in a um, transition phase or interim phase? Can you help us just 
plug a couple of holes until we get things together and we can kind of do a, a pastoral call for someone in music ministry. So for yeah. three of those churches I'm helping out, that's the situation. Um, and there are many mm. more. Um, there are many more. Hmm. So you're filling the gap there. Just Yeah, just helping to kind of steady the, the, the ship in a lot of churches, pastorally, ministry-wise, and the congregation. It's primarily to serve the congregation. When you go through a transition in life, whatever it is, there's, we need those foundational things. And for us as Christians, it's the gospel. And in any dynamic, in a group dynamic, primarily in a congregation, you have a senior pastor or whatever role that person plays, and someone who's been leading you for some time and you build that relationship and trust, whatever the circumstances for them stepping away, there's a void that needs to be filled, whether it's temporarily or permanently. Um, so I just generally just there to help serve to kind of steady the dynamics of the congregation in the music ministry and then just serve them and serve the, the leadership of that church as they go through that transition. Hmm. Well, I've been helping out in just one church. I don't work in four like you do, but um, there's a there's a church in Nashville that I've been uh, helping out for about 10, 15 weeks. And something that happened last Sunday, I didn't really understand it until I listened to what you just said. I had an older lady in our church walk up to me, and she was crying. And she mm-hmm. said, thank you so much for coming and helping we had felt like, or she said, I had felt like the Lord had forgotten us. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And uh, it, it was, it was, uh, and like I said, I really didn't understand it until until I heard what you just said that people are leaving ministry and and this has had a deep impact on the church. Not not yeah. the same in every yeah. church, but some churches yeah. have yeah. really been struggling. And we're grateful for the both of you doing what you're doing. It really is a meaningful ministry. Ayanda, uh, our sympathy to you. I, I know it's been many months now, but your father, yep. your father passing away—that was a—that was a, one of those life transitions you don't like to face, isn't it? Yeah, that one was unexpected. Um, it, you know, when every when God pulls a handbrake, and then He does it in various ways. Um, for me, I think losing a loved one, kind of. It, it's the, it's the one of the biggest handbrake pulls that God does because um, it's a dynamic where you're very close to the person in those instances where you're very close, you love them. And God in his own timing and choosing has decided, you know, they've served their time here on this earth. The days have come to an end and I'm taking them. And so for me, it was, it made me stop. Like my dad and I were very close. We would talk through everything. He was one of my greatest critics of my music and one of my greatest fans. Mm-hmm. Um, we would talk about life as a whole. He he taught me a lot of things I, I've learned in life. Um, how to grill. Um, he was my guinea pig for all my cooking. Um, <laughs> God bless his stomach. Um, but those... It was just all those things, the formative years of having both parents in my life, and he played a significant role. So when that happened, I, um, it was out of the blue. Um, it was a medical situation. He was only 64 years old. And, wow. Um, I, I, the, the dynamics of um, living with my roommates, both of them, 
um, no longer have earthly fathers like me. So they knew the the experience in the moment. So it happened, I'd receive the news like at two o'clock in the morning, uh, deep in my art to sleep. Artists always wake up late and always, you know, and woke up and one of them is, is awake oddly at that hour. And it was, it was a God thing. I didn't know what to do. And we just prayed. He, he just listened because he knew exactly the dynamics. And over the course of the following days, so many people just reached out and surrounded me in a different way. It just, it just triggered a journey of grief, but also realigning what is important. God kind of sat me down and said, I love you. And yes, you're going through this, but there's some things that you can also learn from this. And at that moment, it was like, no, what are the priorities of my life? What are the things that God has called me on this, that I need to be pouring my time and energy and my resources into? And some of these things that I've just been wasting time on. So it just helped me reprioritize what are the things important in my life. And that's him, family, and the church. Um, and, th- and that takes its own role in different ways. Um, and I- I'll be honest. After that, I, you know, stopped, canceled all bookings, invitations. But then in February, so this is the end of 2019, uh, just before COVID hit, um, I did an event, um, a worship gathering with um, 90.1 FM here in Chicago, movie radio. And we, unbeknownst, I was able to share what, what I was going through and then afterwards, the amount of people that came up to me and, and were like, I've just gone through this. I've just lost my mother. I've just lost this parent. And mm. I was standing there, I was like, Lord, I don't, I've, I'm, I have no experience in this world of grief. And, and But all God was saying is, I know you don't, but I do. <laughs> so I'm just going to use you. So you just make yourself available. Get out the way once you're available <laughs> and I'll do the rest. And that's been the journey. Well, l- let me ask you this, Ayanda, because I, I've always believed that because of what you experienced, then God uses that to make you mm-hmm. uniquely qualified to help and understand other people who are going through the same thing. Is that what you experienced? Yes. The the conversation of of grief, to be able to to speak to people about it, and in recognizing that, you know, it's okay not to be okay. Mm. Um, that's one of the biggest mm. things I had to learn in the grief process is it's okay. And there are things that will trigger emotions and feelings. And being someone in, in, where we, we're able to interact with a, a lot of people because of the spaces we're in and the things we do, so many people don't talk about these things. But be able to share the experience and for so many people, that's that's God talking to them to say, you know, you're not the only one on this journey, and these other people go through. When the scripture says that Jesus is acquainted with grief, yes. that's what you experience. Yeah, Laz- <laughs> his his friend Lazarus was, you know, died, and Christ raised him. But we 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 know that there were there were moments before Christ went and raised him from the dead. And he cried. 
Jesus wept. Yeah. So he knows the he knows what we go through, um, and he is acquainted with our suffering. Ayanda, one of the things that God led you to do in your grief was to reach out and help children deal with it. Uh, tell me, tell us about this book that you wrote uh, following your father's death. So, I would say this: I, Michael's, I, I always, I'll, I'll, I'll start off with this. Michael's the author. I'm not. So, <laughs> um, I never thought I'd ever go down the road of writing a, a children's book. I always felt. Um, my my lane would be to to write um, books that would encourage people in in a lifestyle of worship. So when 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 my dad passed away, we were in this process halfway through um, recording uh, recording this 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 album we're working on worship project, and I was already kind of lining up the thesis and the, and the outline for the book we're going to write on, on, on worship. And someone in the creative team who kind of consults was like, no, we, we sense this is not where the Lord wants you right now. And at that point, everything had stopped. We'd stopped recording. I was going through counseling, grief counseling. But the thing that came to mind was the little boy in me um, had just experienced this deep hurt and pain. And I knew God was going to use this in some way to encourage other people, but point children in some way to him. So I, I sat down and I kind of just was just scribbling some notes. And the, the, the thing was, you know, people talk about an earthly father, but now I was experiencing the love of the heavenly father um, in a time where, you know, you, you have this void of an earthly father leave. So in that moment, just through prayer and counseling and talking to people, just the Lord laid it on my heart. I want you to write something short that introduces a child to me, God the Father. So I consulted with a couple of child psychologists, Christian child psychologists, um, about you know this is what God's laid on my heart. What are your thoughts? And they kind of broke down some, you know, research concepts and ideas. Um, I then researched a couple of authors who've written quite a bit, and in, in also in this, you know, children's setting. And they kind of gave me good, strong pointers. So then I just went ahead. Um, I wanted to um, write a story that was personal to me, um, but would point people to Jesus, children to Jesus. Mm. So lo and behold... The book was um, was written, the first draft, and I was like, I, I want illustrations in this. So we, we uh, reached out to a couple of people, got the illustrator in, and everything was put together. And then someone said, you know, it's fine, fair and fine you've written this book, but there needs to be some sort of lesson and a couple of questions at the back end to help children even grasp more. Ask some questions, point them to Scripture, and ultimately know who God the Father is as one of the Trinity. So we drafted some some content at the back that will help a parent and a child walk through this whole book together. But at the same time, God was just laying on my heart, I want you to introduce the Trinity to children. And this is where it landed. The book is called Aya and Abba. It's a beautiful book, beautifully illustrated, beautifully written, as a matter of fact. 
And Mike, there's a coloring book edition as well, which I think is a great idea. Yeah, I do too. I'm 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 holding it in my hand right now. I had to take it away from my granddaughter. So <laughs> good work, Aya. Well, Ayanda, we are happy to put information about this new children's book, Aya and Abba. Uh, we'll put the information in our program notes for this so that listeners can get a copy of this, both the book and the coloring book, which is, again, such a great idea. So very happy to do that. And, uh, Mike, we're grateful for this young man who's really a uh, great brother in Christ. Yeah, I, I, I've always appreciated just your musical giftedness, but this is a whole other um a whole other thing, uh, Ayanda, you've been a wonderful steward of your own pain. And uh, thank you for, for doing all the hard work that went into this. No, th- thank you. And I, I really appreciate you, Mike, and Wayne, and the rest of the team. Thank you. We will talk again, no doubt. Ayanda Kamalo here with us in the studio with Michael Card. Mike, why don't we follow up this, uh, this conversation with your song, My Shepherd? Is that all right with you? Absolutely. Let's, let's do it. John Ketchings joins you on the cello here. Michael Card recorded in the studio.
make my home place in the house of the Lord, and I'll make my home place in the house of. fitting song to conclude this session in the studio with Michael Card. It's our prayer that this hour of scripture, discussions, and music in this podcast were used by God to enrich your walk with Christ. If this is your experience, please email your reactions to us. You can send your comments, song requests, or questions when you write in the studio at michaelcard.com. This month, we're highlighting a helpful Bible resource compiled by our friend, Dr. George Guthrie, called the Day-by-Day Chronological Study Bible. Look for the link for this at michaelcard.com or order your copy by searching for a day-by-day chronological Bible when you visit csbible.com. Be sure to use the promotion code in the studio typed with no spaces to receive your 30% discount on your CSB purchase through LifeWay. The Christian Standard Bible at csbible.com. For all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Susan Sermon, Lance Mansfield, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening to this edition of In the Studio with Michael Card.